Now betting for the sports animal. Your afternoon drive. Number two, Menon, Van Nunley, and Fred Slow. And in the on deck circle, Amarie Castillo. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. Man, you want to give away some Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets today? God, eventually. Yeah, let's do it. I've been just too busy talking about old Lobo Mendenhall. Lobo, are you talking about Bronco Lobo Mendenhall? I am. Bron Lobo Mendenhall? Just Lobo. Bron Lobo Mendenhall? Lobo uh, Burke Hall. Lo- Lobo <laughs> uh, Loco. Loco Mendenhall. Mm, no, he seems very nice. Yeah, he seems nice. Yeah, he doesn't seem crazy. thing I said means crazy. Oh, hey, look at you. Speaking of crazy, um, if you're texting the program, mm. <laughs> just, just um, yeah. Also, Ooh. if you need someone to talk to, yeah, if I you need f- some advice on where to get some help, yeah, we are right here. So it's available to you. I used to do it for a career. I would love to help. 505-246-0610, Sports Animal text and call line. Take the time today. We're talking about new Lobo head coach, Bronco Mendenhall. At length, we're giving away Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets. Okay, Van, I don't want to give them away the second. I'm not prepared to give them away the second because what we need is a cool trivia about the YMCA so our winners can win Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets. Okay. okay, other than basketball, what other sport did the YMCA found? Is Ooh. a very good trivia question. That's a great question. Albert Ramirez just gave that to us as he passed by. Okay. Now, we could do it right now because we just did the question. Mm, well, you got the question. <laughs> what other sport, aside from basketball, did the YMCA found? Here's the thing. That's not the question. That's not it. We tricked you. Ah, burn. Yeah, we tricked you. Because we're giving this away at 6.15. So at 6.15, Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets, 505-246-0610 is how you're going to become part of the text trivia uh, giveaway. So at 6.15, a YMCA-centered trivia, okay? Also, if you don't know how the text line works, yeah. 505-246-0610, text me. I'll explain it to you. Fourteen will text line. Yeah. Yeah, just reach out. <laughs> We're going down the Bronco Mendenhall path. A lot of feedback on it. I think universally, people are not universally, majoritively, yeah. people are excited about it. Sure. I agree. We continue down the press release, which we've managed to milk for an hour. In 2007, BYU again finished the season off with 10 consecutive wins, and by the time the season's end, it was the nation's longest winning streak. The Cougars again won the Las Vegas Bowl, and at this time they were able to exact some revenge. With a 17-16 win over UCLA after the Bruins won the regular season matchup by 10. The BYU defense finished 10th nationally. And overall, BYU allowed 16 or four fewer points in eight of the team's 13 games. My takeaway from the 2007 season is Bronco Mendenhall's a dude that loves his defense. Yes. I mean, that's the side of the ball he played, right? Right. And that's where he cut his teeth as a coach. He's a defensive back. So, of course, he's going to put a focus on it. Yeah. And I think, and, you know, Frank Murkilago makes these press releases for the university. He's really good. 
the I think he's pointing it out so that we know that he takes things personally. We're talking about, you know, being able to like catch an L during the season and then how to respond to that and get a big W against UCLA, which is, I mean, that's a big program, you know, and, and at the time a Pac-12 program. So just kind of a, I don't know, an important thing to make note of. In 2008, the Cougars again won double digits games. They were 10 and 3. Mininol became the first Cougar coach to ever go unbeaten at home over three consecutive seasons. BYU opened the season 6 and 0 to run its winning streak to 16 straight, moving to as high as number 7 in the polls after a 21-3 win over New Mexico in Provo. BYU again played in the Las Vegas Bowl, and three Cougars earned all academic All-American honors which was a program first. So you're going to tell me in this little snippet that we got a guy that don't lose at home and his players are all all academic? Is that what you're going to tell me? It's a big deal. That's a big deal to me. And look, here's the thing that BYU's done for quite some time. Mm -hmm. They recruit, they develop, and they graduate good quarterbacks. There is a rich history of good quarterbacks from BYU. Correct. During that stretch of Bronco Mendenhall's success, you got it in front of you. You didn't have like a lot of big name NFL guys. Sure, but you're like, oh, that's a dude. Oh, that's a dude. Oh, that's a dude. We didn't have any like number one picks, but every single season they churned out another competent, quality quarterback over and over and over do again. You, do you have the list or no? Also, your favorite Taysom Hill. That's a dude. <laughs> yeah, he's super old now. You know, as we we kind of like obviously we're going through it, right? And we're like, okay, we're getting we're going paragraph by paragraph. We're talking about what this this message means, what Bronco Mendenhall means, what this means for UNM football. By the way, UNM basketball going tonight is that pregame at six thirty? Is that right, Bob? That's over on um, KKOB. So, to me, we're getting like a little bit of insight here, right? We're getting a an idea of of who this guy is and what he's did while he was away. Because what we've done while he was away is very little. Mm. And again, whenever we do get the chance to sit down with Bronco, hopefully tomorrow, whenever we do get the chance, you know, that leading question we're going to ask, and there's not a ton of jokes in the middle of this one, but that leading question is, Bronco, when you sat down with Eddie Nunez and you sat down with the university and, and you talked about taking this job, what did they promise you in ways of support? Sure. Because we got to know. We got to know that it's not just the athletics department, but it's the university and the state behind you for success. Right. The following season in 2009, BYU went 11 and 2, 7 and 1 in the Mountain West, and 3 and 1 against nationally ranked foes. Including that was the season opening 14 13 neutral site win over number three at the time, Oklahoma State in Arlington, Texas. Once again, the Cougars excelled on the field and in the classroom. Two more Cougars earned academic All-American honors, while quarterback Max Hall threw for over 3,500 yards. Running back, oh, you're going to have to help me with this one, Harvey Unga, rushed for over 1,000 yards. And tight end Dennis Pitta earned All-American honors as he broke the NCAA record for most career receiving yards by tight end. He played in the the league. Yeah. I like skilled guys doing well. You know, and setting school records is awesome. Setting NCAA records is even more awesome. But, you know, the game has changed. It's changed substantially. Sure. Like, this is a passing league. Let me rephrase league. This is a passing planet. Yeah. Sport now. You only win. There's only like two dudes who run the ball. as an Air Force and Army 
and they kind of got unique personnel. <laughs> Don't worry about those two. Except for those two, mm-hmm. everyone slings the ball around. You got your Michigans who are a little who are a little more on the ground. Right. You got a few few programs here and there that Iowa. run the ball more than other right. teams, but if you want to be successful, got to sling it. I agree. And the only way to be able to run the ball successfully is slinging it and well, taking the pressure off of that run game. And 5 minutes ago, Florida State was like, "Uh, well, you know, we could just run it for the next two games cuz um you, you know, we're actually in trouble under center. Actually, they don't even call it under center anymore. We're actually in trouble in shotgun, mm-hmm. so we're just going to run it a lot. And, and the NCAA was like, we're not going to feature that. That doesn't – and also Disney just released ESPN's earnings for this year, which has never been released before by Disney, showing that they've taken a market loss of over 1% in the last calendar year. Remember all those layoffs from the year before? Mm-hmm. So they saved all that money. And, by the way, a lot of their revenue is based off their SEC like broadcast of games, and right. oh my God, I can't believe they're in. That's another conversation for another time, man. Another sure. conversation, another time. In 2010, rough start for BYU. Started off 2-5. and five. You know what Coach Mendenhall did? Took over as the defensive coordinator and won five of the final six. What? What? And if you remember, that was the New Mexico Bowl where it was UTEP um, versus BYU. 52-24 in 2010. Mm-hmm. That means Bronco Mendenhall is undefeated at University Stadium 4-0, Van. Undefeated as a head coach. Has a familiarity, if you yeah. will. The thing I really like about that tidbit is, oh, we, uh, we're taking on water? Let me go patch that. We don't have to wait till the offseason. We're not going to get them next year. Right. In the middle, I'm going to take over as the thing that we need and that's going to be the reason that we do well. That's what I just read about Bronco Mendenhall taking over his team midseason to become the defensive coordinator. Mendenhall led the Cougars into uncharted territory of football independence from 11 to 15. Starting with an ever-double-digit win in 2011 as they went 10-3 and and winning a third straight bowl game. The Cougars finished 22nd nationally in points allowed. And BYU won nine of its last ten, including a come-from-behind win over Tulsa, 27-24 in the Armed Forces Bowl. The Cougars finished the season ranked 25 in the Coaches Bowl, and that gave BYU five seasons under Mendenhall in the final rankings. Man, it's a dude who finishes in the mix. Yeah, I said it earlier, bowl games, 16 out of 17 years, ranked a handful. Yeah. Like, in the mix. For hoisting that trophy a handful. Right. But he had a little bit better support at these other places. Let's be brutally honest. University support. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. University support. And now it takes even more than university support. It takes more than the university donating mm-hmm. to your program, putting funds in your program. You need that NIL money, baby. Right. Where's our sponsors in the community? Where's our where's our Intels? Where's our Netflixes? Where's our Facebooks? Where's all these um all these big industries that call Albuquerque home, whether it's their only home or a part-time home. Albuquerque and New Mexico. Sure. Where are they at? We continue down the press release whenever we get back, in giving you our interpretation of the Bronco Mendenhall signing for the UNM Lobos. Phone lines are open. Call or text 505-246-0610. Love to have you be a part of the program. Give us your reaction and your response to the new head coach of your UNM football team, Bronco Mendenhall. We're live from the Horn YMCA. It's 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal.
This report is brought to you by Malloy Los Lunas. Make the holidays bright in a new Ford from Malloy Ford and Los Lunas. Get a new 2023 Ford F-150 and save over $2,000. Rates as low as 1.9% and get no payments for 90 days. When you think Ford, think MalloyFord.com. See dealer for all details. Well, traffic right now, things continue to move slow in several spots. Southbound on I-25 between Paseo and Comanche. We're dealing with slowdowns there. Congestion northbound on I-25 as well, approaching Gibson. That's going to last until Lomas. Westbound I-40 right now between San Mateo and Unser. Traffic's moving slow there. Westbound Paseo, I-25 until the river. Traffic's moving slow there. And headed west on Alameda right now, 2nd Street to Coors. Got some slowdowns in that area also. Back live on the program, back live from the Horn YMCA. We're breaking down the press release from UNM about Bronco Mendenhall, giving our reactions, but Van just distracted me during the break. Okay, Van. Okay. So during the break, Uh you started showing me photos of a bug you found today. All right, first off, not unprovoked. You asked. Hold on. You asked. No, I did not. Yeah. Here was the question I asked, Bob. Off the air. This is what happens on our breaks, Bob. You ready? Bob, off the air, I said, Van, Mm -hmm. what wild animal do you believe you could successfully domesticate? Yeah. That's what I said to Van. Correct. Because I have a belief I could domesticate a bird. You just find a bird flying to your house, you're like, you should live here now. And I thought of this because the other day I went to the Bull Snakes game. They were playing over at Albuquerque High. Uh-huh. And when I walked inside, and I can show you a photo right now, man, this is not the best radio. Okay. But there was a pigeon inside the cafeteria area of Albuquerque High School. Was it like the lunch ladies? And I was like, I was like well, I could domesticate a bird, like if I were to make a bird into a pet. The only but way th- you could do that is if you got it as right out of the shell or as a baby oh or hear me out and okay. even you then, just it's pro- problematical because it happens it, all the time yeah if a crow flies into your house and like you keep it in the house for like a couple days so it gets like real hungry and you chew up some worms in your mouth what and you open your mouth <laughs> you can get the crow to eat from your mouth in like day two i bet i don't like that sentence also, I believe... A, let's really talk this thing out. I believe a crow could go more than one day without eating. That's why I said day two, yeah. I believe a crow could go more than two days without eating. Now, water, that's right. a different story. Day three, fine. Also, I have right, no cool. idea... Put water in your mouth. But that's not domesticated. How, all right, that's Yet. a good point, Bob. Yeah. That's a really that's, good point. Bob, that's the first step. How do birds drink? Yeah, I believe... Okay, Bob is on to something here. Okay. Because you'd be able to tame the bird... Mm-hmm. Not domesticated. Yeah, oh, that's a big difference. Yeah, that's circus rules. That's a big difference in nomenclature. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm talking domesticate. Yeah, and that, my answer that takes a lot of generations. I think I can do it in one with my answer. Okay, capybara. So you give me a the nice, bear pig. Yeah, a little bear, a little bear pig. Nope. A little, little beach bear pig. Yes. Nope. You give me one, and then I domesticate. Well, I I would tame it. Make it my best friend, then I would find a life partner, and then those babies we would obviously raise in my loving pro capybara home. You and the two capybaras? And then after that, they're domesticated for everyone. So what do you want on your headstone? Capybaras are super sweet. That's what you they're want? They're, like, very nice. I believe they're riddled with disease. That's, that's a good one, Bob. Is what that what you, you want? What it is, is that what you want it to say? <laughs> Capybaras are super sweet. No, they're not. 1982 to 2023. Have you been? Have you heard of the feral pig problem? 
capybaras don't turn into feral pigs, Bob. Um, slightly different topic. You think they're Pokemon, Bob? Do you believe no. they evolve into <laughs> That's to different I capybaras? I don't want to be anywhere near a feral pig or a capybara. That same. See, capybaras are super sweet. Like they're gentle natured already. Like they started they're, off tame. Yeah. That's why I think you could just like domesticate one in like a generation. <sighs> no. I know. No. I know. All right. I know a person who has a fox. Also, why are we using Bob as as our authority on the animal kingdom here? Bob is like, no, you can't do that. Okay. Well, who else are you going to ask? 505-246-0610. All of our zoologist fans out there can van domesticate a capybara in one generation. I don't believe you can. I I I think I can. I could domesticate like a wild turkey, I believe. I could domesticate a bottle of wild turkey, I'll tell you that That's much. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> let's go on that. <laughs> so anyway, here's the whole point. So we're moving forward in this conversation. Like, all right, let's get back to this press release. And Van's like, hold on. Let me show you a picture of a praying mantis that came up to me today in the wild trying to become my friend. <laughs> yeah, it literally <laughs> happened. I'll shoot you a picture, Bob. It, it was trying to decide if you were too big to eat. So here's the thing, Bob. Uh, yeah. Praying mantises are my spirit animals, okay. and they kind of they feed off of my energy. So if there's ever one near me in the wild, it comes and says hello, because we're kindred spirits of sorts. Uh, really? By the way, so, friend of the show, I hope you're still listening. Um, we're, <laughs> we're, we're kindred spirits of sorts, all right? So, Bob, in my late teens and early 20s, I used to breed praying mantises and try to increase albinism in every egg sac, because every egg sac has like 20 to 200 praying mantis babies. Yeah. And like I tried to skyrocket the number of albinos. Like, so each season I would get the number higher and higher. Of albino praying mantis. Praying mantis. This is accurate. Yeah. Then what did you do with those? Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Carlsbad, New Mexico has a higher percentage of albino mantises because of one weird idea I had one day. According to NationalGeographic.org, uh-huh. okay, yeah, it took approximately ten thousand years to domesticate the goat. I don't believe that's true. No, there's no way. Check your definition of domesticate. Yeah, goats. It's so National Geographic says goats were probably the first animal to be domesticated, followed closely by sheep, and then whatever the Latin word is for that. In Southeast Asia, chickens were also domesticated. Okay, so I was confused. I thought it took 10,000 years. This actually happened 10,000 years ago. So my mistake on that, uh, people later began domesticating larger animals, including oxen. I don't know what that is. Horses for plowing and transportation. Okay, well, this has got a little R-rated. All right, from our friends. Not that kind of plowing. Oh, okay. From our friends at Rutgers University, a capybara can be trained, and when trained properly, can live in a home with other companion animals like dogs and cats. Look up otters. I think I'm an otter guy. If I had to pick an animal that I was most, the, the animal that I'm pro most is otters. They have cool little hands. I believe they're mischievous to the point of their own entertainment, which is the thing I identify with. And I believe it's not illegal to own them in all states. Okay. Uh, challenge, challenge accepted. Yeah. Friend of the show, um, should I put my Venmo out there? 
A capybara can be owned in most states in the United States of America, and they range in between $1,000 to $3,000. Okay, and you can own an otter in 15 states, but not New Mexico. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Get a ferret. What's a ferret? What is that? Oh, gross. No, they smell (laughs) awful. I don't like non-traditional pets. Don't, yeah, no ferrets. I'm not into that. They're already domesticated. Some are. Yeah. Some are, yeah. yeah. Some go feral, like your pigs, Bob. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the, so pigs don't stay small the way you think they do. All pigs get big. And there's this misconception with the, like, the teacups or whatever where they don't. But they always do, Van. They every single time do. Uh-huh. All right, the texture says you can domesticate raccoons. Okay, that would be super down. All right, hold on. So if you're domesticating... Domesticated raccoons. I like, I like when raccoons hold things. It's adorable. Yeah, I agree. And they're also very playable. Okay. All right, good news. It is legal to own a pet capybara in New Mexico. <sighs> why we would need, you want to? We just talked Have about Have you why. seen one, Bob? <laughs> they're adorable. They're adorable, mm. and they are so much fun. Okay. Can they climb? Because I think Not that's really. the real reason I wouldn't want a raccoon. No, they're they're plagued by gravity. They're sturdy little animals with stupid tiny legs. I think I've seen one. Is yeah. their head stupid too? Yeah, and they smile like idiots. Yeah. Yeah. But if you I were... just need something dumber than my corgi to make my corgi look smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like by by proximity. Mm-hmm. You go, he's not so dumb. Look at my capybara. Like, oh yeah, he's a genius. And then you go to the PetSmart, and you're like, I need to get a collar. And they're like, they're like, this, this dog has a huge-ass neck, dude. Like, there's something going on with your dog's neck. It's, I believe, believe it's a tumor. Why does your dog have an Australian accent? Yeah, what's up with your, what's up with your weird dog? <laughs> Are they Australian? I believe, yeah, they're like from a little island next to Australia. So this says here the big issue with domesticating raccoons is they constantly climb and they're like you can't keep them on the floor of your home. Most homes not prepared to have animals climbing all over them. So there Excuse you go. Excuse me, they're from South America originally, taken to Australia. Okay, yeah. now you know. Super friendly and nice and sweet. All right, Bob. Well, now you're caught up on possible animals that that we could domesticate if we want to. I'm glad you qualified that. I don't want to domesticate uh, or tame any of them. Okay, except the fair. Which so, anyways, uh, again today, another praying mantis came up to me today, and I had <laughs> and I had photographic evidence. Okay. You had it on your hand. Yeah, I picked it up in my hands. I believe they're disease ridden, dude. I give them a little smooches. No, I get a little. I get a little Eskimo kisses. Which I yeah, think. and then I put them in my bush. Now they have um, clippers, right? Pinchers. What did I say? Clippers. Same thing. Close enough. Now those, to my understanding, are incredibly tough. Like they can like split through like. Like sticks and stuff, or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, they can like catch mammals. Like they eat mammals sometimes. What does that mean? When they're big like enough, a, and like hungry. a mouse. Yeah, like a mouse. Yeah, they can eat like mice. Dang, dude, that's crazy. To yeah, me. they're bonkers. Yeah, most of the ones here in New Mexico only get like a couple inches long, but there's like four, five, six inch ones that can like, yeah, snatch hummingbirds from out like of the air. from like the Amazon or something. All over the place, they're everywhere. Praying mantis. Or every continent, yeah. Just depends on which alien race took over which continent. You lost me with that part. Yeah, they're very weird.
Praying mantis look alien. Yes, they do. There are two animals on Earth that I think are alien. Praying mantis is one. Octopus is the other. Octopuses are super weird. They're 100% alien. Yeah. There's no way. Also, maybe lobsters. Because lobsters are immortal. Lobsters are bugs, though. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They're bug aliens. I don't mess with bugs. They're octopuses' pets. You thought octopus brought lobster with them? With them for company. To the planet Earth. Correct. They don't like food. They don't eat, do hold up. There's a good question because I don't know what octopus eat. Nothing. They don't need anything. Is that true? That might yeah. be true. I have no idea. They they survive off of the fear of humans. I th- I feel like personally not d- their fear of humans. Humans fear of them. Yes. They, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, they just yeah. They they yearn that they're an emotional vampire for it. Exactly. They that. Suck it from them. Mm-hmm. I do believe some reason in my head that octopuses eat crabs, and that whenever they're eating a crab. They change the color of their skin to look like their surrounding environment. And so when they're chomping down, you just think it's a rock. A rock is eating a crab. Yeah. They eat crabs, clams, snails, small fishes, and sometimes <laughs> even other octopi. That super tracks. Mm. Yeah. Hold on. You said cannibalism? Yes. When dude, you're hungry enough. Dude, I do not like octopuses. Like at all. They're on my list of things that I hate. Up there with quicksand. Slow sand is way worse. The worst. Yeah. Um, At least quicksand just takes you. Fred Slow is cool. Mm-hmm. When we get back, we continue down this press release for Bronco Mendenhall. It's two men on live from the Horn YMCA. Come and check it out. Van will give you the first month free. That's a fun thing. 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. All right, this domesticating Black Widows things from Friend of the Show Martin is wild. Weird. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. He got his own uh, home security system, his own uh, insect removal system. Dude, Black Widows are no joke. From the live chat, Van is the mantis whisperer. That's correct. Fred seems like a ferret guy. I don't like that. I don't know what that means. Okay. We continue down today's big news, which is Bronco Mendenhall joining the Lobos. As we continue down the press release from UNM, the official release. The Cougars reeled off three straight eight and five seasons under challenging schedules that saw BYU face off and beat the likes of number 15 Texas, Boise State, Georgia Tech, Cal, and Washington State. BYU big, big names. made it 10 straight seasons of bowl games as BYU earned bids to the Poinsettia Bowl beating former conference foe San Diego State. BYU also faced off against Washington in the 2013 Fight Hunger Bowl and with Memphis in the 2014 Miami Beach Bowl. I mean, it just feels like at this point we're multiple times over, multiple different ways saying, dude produces dubs, and when he gets to bowls, he wins them. Sure. And look at the laundry list of quality top 25 teams that he's beaten. Yeah. These are the type of teams... That will only put you on the schedule if you won't hurt their schedule. Correct. Yeah, only your success leads to getting these matchups. Well, and when they were independent, obviously, you yeah. kind of get again in where you can get in. Sure. In 2015, his final season with the Cougars, Mendenhall led BYU to a 9-3 and record. That included wins over number 20 at the time, Boise State, and a season opening win at Nebraska. The Cougars also won seven of their final eight games to finish off the regular season before facing Utah in the Royal Purple Las Vegas Bowl. Okay. I like to see UNM go to Las Vegas Bowl. I like to see that real bad. Uh, how about a bowl every year? Oh, my God. Because that's kind of the standard at 
Bronco Mendenhall, uh, excuse me, Lobo Mendenhall has set his whole career. Like we have to have those expectations from now on that we're going to be over 500. We're going to contend for a title, right? And we're going to friggin' bowl games. You're saying how about a bowl every year? I t- give me just give me one to start. The one would be sweet. Like that'd be super sweet. I would be so very happy if I got the one. Mm-hmm. After stepping down from BYU, Mendenhall took over the Virginia Cavaliers. They were suffering through four straight losing seasons. It took Mendenhall two seasons to get the Cavs back to a bowl game for the first time in six years as this 2017 team went 6-6 six and six in the regular season. Invitation to the Military Bowl continued to win games against ranked opponents, beating Boise State. And Boise continued to win rivalry games, defeating North Carolina in the South's oldest rivalry for the first time in eight years, man. Due to breaks trends. I mean, that's, and that's what we need here because the tr- all the trends here are bad right now. Right. Like, we need good trends. We can't get those big dudes here. I mean, we haven't had a big – you rattled off some big names earlier yeah. from, you know, he was uh, on the staff the last tenure where we were kicking out NFL-caliber players. I think we – I mean, let's be brutally honest. How many do we have on the roster now? Oh, gosh. If – I mean, when's the draft? March, April? So, if come April and the draft rolls around, I don't know, Van, if very many mm-hmm. UNM Lobos are going to have a look. And throughout his whole career, he's cranking out pros every year. Ugh. His next two seasons saw Virginia go 8-5 and five in 2018, 9-5 and five in 2019. The 18 squad again won the South's oldest rivalry, and Virginia picked up another ranked win, being number 16 Miami. Virginia was invited to the Belk Bowl, where Mendenhall's Cavs shut out Carolina of the SEC van. Mm, quality. 28 rip. In 2019, Virginia went 9-0 and and won the ACC's Coastal Division with a 6-2 and mark, playing Clemson for the ACC title. Cavs went unbeaten at home and undefeated Virginia Tech, <clears throat> excuse me, and defeated Virginia Tech for the first time in 15 years, earning a New Year's Six Bowl appearance against Florida, in the Capital One Orange Bowl, the Cavs finished the year ranked 25 in the final coaches poll, and the defense was given a calling card as the Cavs' three players recorded double-digits tackles for loss. I just keep reading about things I'm familiar with. Uh-huh. Big bowl games. Sure. Beating legitimate competition. Do you remember how cool it was when New Mexico State upset Auburn? Remember how wild that was? One of the coolest things in New Mexico sports history. Remember how cool it was that same day when UNM beat Fresno? One of the best days in New Mexico sports history. The best day I've seen in New Mexico sports history in my six years here. I'm going to tell you this. If we can make that day happen yearly, if we can make that day happen a couple times a year, where both of these programs are winning big games against teams that you're familiar with, let's go. Let's go on that. And look, it's... It's going to be the domino effect, too. Okay. We get a little bit of success with this football program. More people show up to the games. That's more revenue inside the program. Not even talking NIL money. Right. Not even talking getting outside money for players. You generate more money for the program. Guess what happens? Better facilities. Right. Stadium upgrades. You get better access at your stadium. More people show up. You make more money. It gets nicer. Got to keep building and building and building. 
Mendenhall navigated Virginia to a 5-5 five five mark over the abbreviated 2020 COVID season. Passing up a bowl opportunity, the squad did pick up another ranked win with Virginia, winning 44-41, uh, excuse me, over number 13, North Carolina. In 2021, the Cavs went 6-6, finished third nationally in total offense, 24th in scoring offense, before Miranda Hall stepped away from coaching, and it marked the 16th time in 17 seasons the head coach, that his team was bowl eligible as a head coach, excuse me. Wildly impressive. Wildly impressive. That's almost perfect. That's almost perfect. We haven't been bowl eligible here ever? <laughs> Don't say it like that. <laughs> it feels like ever, especially for you, who's only been here six years. My experience is ever. Your experience is ever. It's only six years, but there's a lot of people. We'll continue down this press release. Whenever we get back, we're just 45 short minutes away from giving away. Did I say 45? I meant 30. Math's hard. We're just 30 short minutes away from giving away Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets. Tune in with us at 6.15 as we come up with a fun trivia on what. It's a Y-based trivia, man. We're doing a YMCA-based trivia. Hey, you want to get your trigger fingers even faster right yeah, now? do that. Learn every fact there is ever about the YMCA in the Ooh, next 30 minutes. This is a very good idea. <laughs> Learn all of the YMCA we facts. Had some, it's funny. We had some friends of the show texting the text line and, you know, the personal line. Sure. Some some friends of the show transcend the text line. Yeah. Texting, like, how disappointed they were because a lot of people were, like, what, 17, 12, 24 seconds away from winning the thing yeah. yesterday. They were like, when, I, when I explained to them, like, I went back in the text line and looked because the text line has to the second. I when think it's to the tenth of the second. It's to the second. When when you text the program, yeah. So I can go by the second how close you were to winning the tickets, and people like twelve seconds, seventeen seconds, yeah, twenty four seconds away from winning yesterday. Well, and like when we've been doing like the text giveaway, there's like a hundred people that have responded to this. Yeah, it's like, bonkers. Yeah, because here's the thing: we just don't want to run Bob Ragged at the station, yeah. so we do the text line, and I appreciate it. And we got you, Bob. Welcome, Bob. Where we get back, we wrap up this hour, and then we're just 15 minutes away from Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets. It's Two Men On Live from the Horn YMCA. Come hang out with your boys if you're not doing it tonight. Come hang out tomorrow at Sadie's as we're taking you all the way up to 6.30 tomorrow night, man, foregoing football coverage tomorrow night for Lady Lobo Basketball. It's Two Men On, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. So we've obviously gave you kind of the coaching history of Bronco Mendenhall, Lobo Mendenhall. Uh-huh. And it's been good. You know, like, you got it. You know what kind of coach you're getting. What kind of guy are you getting, right? Mm. The Alpine Utah native got his start in the coaching world at Oregon State as a grad assistant after finishing two years playing career. His two-year playing career as a defensive back in 86-87. His two years with Oregon State saw Mendenhall assist with the defensive line, he moved to junior college ranks, the highly successful snow college program, serving as a def- defensive quarterback and defensive backs coach, 91-92. Spent two years at Northern Arizona, one as co-defensive coordinator. That had to be wild. Before returning to Oregon State in 95 as a defensive line coach, 96, served as the Beavers defensive coordinator and defense coaches back. After a season at Louisiana Tech in 1997, 
He came to Albuquerque to serve as Rocky Long's first defensive coordinator, coaching five seasons from 98 to 2002. UNM's defense excelled under Mendenhall. Uh, those are the Urlacher years. Like, yeah. Let's be real transparent here. Earning a quick reputation as hard-nosed, hard-hitting unit led by Brian Urlacher, uh, Mendenhall served as position coach for two seasons. That's, I mean, only college, like only in the game. Mm-hmm. No weird pro stuff. No... Stepped away to sell playground equipment. No, like this yeah. is a coach coach. In his first season as defensive coordinator, the Lopez had six players, earned first team all Mountain West honors, and Brandon Ratcliffe was co Mountain West freshman of the year. Under Mendenhall, Brian Urlacher was twice an All American. Nick Spiegel earned his freshman All American honors as well. Over his time with UNM, the Lobos improved from just three wins in nineteen ninety eight to seven wins and an invitation to the Las Vegas Bowl in two thousand two. The Lobos twenty seven thirteen loss against UCLA in the Las Vegas Bowl. The Mendenhall-led defense held the Bruins to a season-low 167 yards, bro. Wildly impressive. Under Mendenhall, the Lobos led the Mountain West in rush defense for three straight seasons. In 01, Mexico gave up just 87.4 yards per game over the season. In his final season in Albuquerque, Mendenhall led the Lobos to a top rank to a top ranking against the league opponents in total defense, allowing just 316.4 yards per game. The Lobos also led the Mountain West. And sacks in the 2000-2002 season, totaling 50 or 46 and 38 respectively. Coach Mendenhall and his wife Holly have three sons. There you go, Van. Now you got it. Let's go. I don't know what else you could try to learn about a guy. He was a team captain when he played. Gridwire All-American when he played. He was an NJCAA national champion. Oregon State. Played safety, played linebacker. He has won awards, including the Leo Gerbakoff Memorial Award, given to the most inspirational player. 32 years as a college coach, 17 seasons as a head coach. Member of the All-American, excuse me, member of the American Football Coaches Association Board of Trustees for seven years. 135 and 81, man. What can Lobo fan not be excited about right here? I can't think of a thing. Only the thing that we keep harping on on this program, and not only for Lobo Mendenhall, but you know for Coach G. Yeah, like he needs the support. That's that's the that's the only X in the equation Mm -hmm. that's going to lead to him not having success. Well, because it's obvious that he has every other asset. He's got every other intangible to set him up for success. And maybe that support which the university failed to have intrinsically for so very long is coming from an outside influence, an outside influence about three and a half hours south of here. Yeah. Maybe now they want to keep up. Right. Maybe now they got a reason. Of coaches with at least 100 career wins, Mendenhall's winning career winning percentage of 625 is among the top 15 active Division One coaches. If you wanted to say, Fred, we have one of the best 15 active coaches in the game, I wouldn't be able to argue with you. Right. That's very good. Lobo fan, friend of the show, I am absolutely struggling to find a negative in this hire. Like, there is no, he is a quality human being. Right. Nothing but success. People look up to him. People seek him for advice. Like he said, he's been on the board. He's got respect of his peers. Like, is there something that I'm missing here? Is there something that makes you worried? 505-246-0610. Shoot us a text. Give us a call. Like, is there something I'm not considering here that I, that might not make me think that this is a good hire all the way across the board? 
greater than 80 of his players from Virginia and BYU signed a contract with the NFL at some level. It's huge. It's huge. That's gigantic. I mean, we're giving you the numbers. You know, they're, they're all here. This looks like a thing. Yeah. If we're doing the math, what is that? Almost five a year on average since he's a head coach? You got five NFL players on your squad every single year. You're going to win a bunch of games. One season, he didn't win. 2016, first year of Virginia. Two and ten. Everything else, bowl eligible. Only under 500. One time as I'm gracing this. Under 500 and exactly 500 one time. That's it, correct? He's been exactly 500 a couple times. but Well, there's that. Yeah, in 2016, tough road. 2017, 6 and 7, still bowl eligible. You give me a 6 and 7 Lobo season? Happiest dude you ever met. Upgrade. The first hour. Rondo, news of the day. We slammed two hours of Mindenhall talking to this program. Okay. It's two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. Live from the Horn YMCA. The Fort Animal.